Compassion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. It's good to be back with you after being out of the pulpit for the last two weeks. I'm especially thankful that you had a chance to hear from two of the great preachers that I get to work with each week on the staff with Pastor Stephen and Pastor Jordan delivering some great messages in these last two weeks. But it's good to be back with you again. And if you're a visitor, uh, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here at Crosswinds Church. And today is the last message in our series of July called Summer in the Psalms. So that's what we're going to work on today. But let me just tell you what lies right around the corner. In August, we are going to start a new series called Hashtag Trending. And we like to do hot topics in like the hottest month out there. So let me tell you a little bit what we're going to do in August. Beginning next week, we're going to do a message on biblical manhood and womanhood. And what is a man and woman's role in life according and the church according to the Bible? And let me tell you, that message will literally be probably a bombshell for most of you. Because it is one of the most understudied subjects, but one of the most important subjects we can study. How has God put us together as men? And what is our role that we should have in this world and in this church? And how has God put together women? And what is their role in the world and the church? So you do not want to miss next week. The following week after that, we're going to have our Crosswinds family reunion. Here's the information in your bulletin about that. We're going a little south to Florence Park in Milford, and our Spencer campus is coming a little north. We're going to meet there, and it's going to have a corn roast. We're going to provide dessert. You're going to bring some food. It's going to be a great family reunion. Yes, we will have a little bit of teaching time, a little outdoor service, but it's always good in the, in the summer to get together with uh, your relatives, and many of you do not realize that we have another campus of about 150 people that is active, that is healthy, that is growing, that we are one church working together in Spencer, and this is going to be a great opportunity for you to build those relationships. The week after that, we'll be back here on our campus, and we'll continue on biblical manhood and womanhood. I'll give the second part of that message, another one you do not want to miss. So that is what's uh, going to come up in the next few weeks, just to give you a little forecast of what's going to be in the teaching time and for the church. But this morning, we are uh, finishing up our Summer in the Psalms series. Now... This, by way of introduction, let me just tell you a little bit about my life. Some of you know that I'm in the process right now of building a house. And I am understanding that building a house is a lot of work. I'm discovering that the hard way. And by the way, you guys know I'm a terrible penny pincher, which means anything I could conceivably do in the house myself to save a nickel, I want to do it. And I've discovered since I have absolutely no skills, that pretty much means that if it's about outside working in dirt or using a shovel, that's my job. And uh, so I ended up recently putting in some window wells in my house. Now, thankfully, I had a friend with an excavator who dug them for me because I've learned that Iowa dirt is very hard, difficult to get a shovel into. And as part of building the window wells, 
what I thought I would do is I, uh, my, a friend of mine had some extra landscaping block. He said, why don't we use the, those? We'll make a landscaping block window well. And we can just sort of stack them up, and I can do that. I did Legos as a kid. It's got to be similar. Just stack the blocks up. So using with some friends' help, I put a whole bunch of blocks into the back of my truck. And these things are heavy, and they're big, and they're cement, and it's July and it's hot, and you drive them over there, and you start working in this hot July sun. You're sweating like crazy to stack these blocks up, block after block after block. Man, there's a lot of blocks that go in one of those holes. And I get just about to the top, and you know what happens? It falls over. And I'm like, okay, I can't handle this. I'm just going to go home and start again the next day. Before I start trying to rebuild this cinder block window well, I start looking and I do the counting of the number of uh, landscaping blocks that are in the window well, and I have three more windows to go. And I suddenly realize I don't have enough. And then I went to see if I could just go buy more, only to discover they no longer make that style. (laughs) And all the time, all the work... All the sweat of putting these heavy blocks into this hole and stacking them up was worthless. Because now I have to take them all out of the hole and find another way to do these window wells. Now, I'm just going to tell you that I may be a pastor and you may think I'm holy or something, but at that moment, my sanctification was tested. You know, because I had a little bit of a grumpy attitude. And anybody else feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. All that hard work really amounted to nothing. If you're somebody who doesn't like to waste your life and do an endless amount of hard work that ultimately adds up to a total zero, then you've come to the right Sunday. We're going to look at Psalm 127. Psalm 127 is a very short psalm. But the purpose of this psalm is to tell you how to avoid wasting your life. How to make sure that what you are pouring all your time and energy into actually makes a difference and actually has a lasting impact in this world. Psalm 127 is only five verses. It was written by Solomon, and it breaks apart into a very simple structure. Verses 1 and 2 describe a principle. And verses 3 through 5 describe an example of what that principle looks like in action. And we're just going to walk right through this psalm. Now, the uh, principle that is described in verses 1 and 2 is described by way of a contrast. He's going to first talk about what it looks like uh, in one side of the contrast and then on the other side of the contrast. And it'll be very important that you understand what he's saying because it'll help you avoid wasting your life and wasting your time and energy. So let's go ahead and jump in. The first thing we're going to see in these first two verses, invest your lives in projects where God is committed to their success. Invest your lives into projects where God is committed to their success. The first two verses say this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor 
in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. If you're somebody who likes to mark your Bibles, I would suggest that you circle this word vain. Because Solomon writes it three times in these two verses to sort of underscore and underline this point. What does vain mean? Vain means something is worthless. It is empty. It is purposeless. It adds up to nothing when you're all done doing it. Now, I want you to notice what he says is vain. He doesn't say what is vain are sinful activities. But notice he says what can be vain and end up to absolutely nothing of lasting value could be the very normal activities of day-to-day life that we engage ourselves in if God is not committed to the success of the project that we have undertaken. He illustrates it this way. You may build a house, and I can tell you a lot of work is involved in that. But if building the house is not a project that God is behind, a project that God is committed to in your life, you put lots of time and energy into it, but at the end of the day, it'll all amount to nothing. The other illustration he gives is guarding a city. You could stay up late all night long, losing all kinds of sleep, just destroying your body to stay awake guarding the city. But if God is not committed to what you're doing, you're doing it all for nothing. It'll make no lasting difference. You could rise up early, he says, and you could stay up late. You could work your fingers to the bone But if what you are doing is not a project where God is committed to the success of what you have undertaken, ultimately, it'll all add up to a big zero. It'll be the rough equivalent of taking hundreds of pounds of concrete blocks and putting them into a hole, and then taking hundreds of pounds of concrete blocks out of a hole for absolutely no good purpose. It'll lead to no lasting impact. The point that Solomon is making is this. Folks, we all have a limited amount of time and energy in our lives. We want to make sure that we are investing the maximum amount of time and energy we can into those projects where God is committed to their success and the projects where God is behind them in our life. Let me give you another perspective how about we can look at this. I live in a very unique house. We have three generations under one roof. The youngest generation are my children. And they have, it seems like, an infinite amount of energy. All you need to do is feed them, and they're like a wind-up toy. Just always want to be doing something. Always have energy. Always want to be going somewhere. And why are you guys smiling when I say this? Because you know exactly what it's like for kids. All you need to do is just let them go. But on the other side of the equation is my father. My father is 83 years old. 
and he spends a lot of time sleeping. It takes a long time to get ready in the morning. Everything goes in slow motion, and he'll tell you that. It's, he says, you know, I'm winding down. I don't have much time. I don't have much energy left in my life. And in the middle, of course, are Cindy and myself. And we're in that bridger mode, you know, for the good part of our life. We always thought about how young we were. Now we're almost 50, so it's like you're starting to look at it a little differently. Instead of looking at it from the beginning of life, we're starting to count from the end of life and realizing we've already gone through more than half of our lives. And we have friends that are thinking about retirement already. And we're like, retirement? Are you crazy? Where did that come from? Like, out of nowhere. And the point is simply this. We have in our life a limited amount of time and energy, and it will go by very fast. Make sure that we are investing our lives in those kind of projects where God is behind them, God is committed to their success. Because if we are not spending our time and energy on the God-given projects in our lives, we will find that when we get to the end of our life, we have wasted our life. And all of our time and energy have been spent in vain. I also need you to realize this. Solomon is not saying that certain projects are wrong and certain projects are right. As I've been studying this, I, I think the best way to discern uh, if a project is a God-given project or not is oftentimes to ask the simple question, why? Why are you doing something? For instance, he talked about building a house. Why would you build a house? question that, you know, we've had to ask recently. Well, if you're building a house because you have an expanding family, or if you're trying to minister to them better, if you're building a house because you want to be able to offer better hospitality, if you're building a house to be able to minister to more people, th those are some decent reasons, God-orientated reasons to build a house. But if you're just building a house so you can be prideful about it and stroke your ego, that's a self-orientated project, a project where God is not behind it. And at the end of the day, all your work ends up in vain. Some of you are building your business, and you're trying to expand it and take it to the next level. And maybe that's something God is behind, but maybe not. Ask yourself the question, why? Why am I building my business? Is it so I can uh, employ more people? and help more families? Is it so I can serve more people better in the name of Christ through my business? Is it so I can better care for my family and my children? Is that why I'm building my business and to exalt Christ's name more? Or is it just because I want to say, look at my ego. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have done. That is a self-orientated project if you're doing it for that reason. And at the end of the day, all of the hard work you have done will end up having been in vain. So here's um, Solomon's principle. When we set about 
to spend the capital of our lives. We have a very limited amount of time and energy that'll go much faster than we ever imagined. Make sure that we're spending it on those projects where God is behind them and God is committed to the success of them. Because if we're not, we will literally waste our life and everything will be spent in vain. That's the first part of the principle. But the, there's the other side of the principle, which comes out at the very end of verse 2. And this is important to understand. It's a little difficult, but let me just uh, explain it to you. Here it is. It reads this way if you're looking at the ESV text, which is our pew Bible. It says, But for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, I first read that, and I thought, well, what does that have to do with what was just happening about those who are working hard and building houses and staying up late? What is going on? And then I did a little bit of uh, work in the Hebrew and a little bit of study, and I need to tell you a couple things that are not apparent on the surface English text. First of all, this is Hebrew poetry, so it's very difficult to translate. The ESV translation does not tell you this, but the NIV translation does tell you this. There is a footnote in the NIV that says this word sleep does not have to be necessarily translated as a noun. In the Hebrew, it could be translated as an adverb. What this means is this could also legitimately read this, and I put this translation down in your notes. For while they are sleeping, he provides for those he loves. Now, after thinking about this and studying this, I believe that this alternative translation is the right translation and the one that should be in your Bible, even though it's just a footnote. Let me tell you why. Quite simply, it completes the contrast. Did you notice that? On the one side, you have people that are getting up early, staying up late, working on their own projects that amount to absolutely nothing at the end of the day. But on the other side, you have those that God loves who are working on their God-given projects, and God is advancing those projects even while they are sleeping. They're doing nothing, yet there's progress being made. Do you see the contrast here? What Solomon is saying? Now, why would Solomon say this? And why would he say this is a principle that we need to understand about life? It comes out of his personal experience with God. He learned this as he lived his life. Let me show you where I think he gets this from. A few more interesting things that are taking place in the Hebrew in this section. It says what he gives to his beloved in his sleep. This word beloved is the Hebrew word yadid. And you say, well, what does that mean? It means beloved. But here's the key. Do you guys remember what Solomon's name was? When Solomon was born, God gave him a very special name, and it wasn't the name Solomon. Let me show you. It comes out of 2 Samuel chapter 12, 24 through 25. So then, God, or then David comforted his wife Bathsheba 
And they went into her and lay with her. And she bore a son, and she called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him and sent a message to Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Yadidiah because of the Lord. That's the same word. Solomon's name from God was literally the beloved of God. And he says in Psalm 127 that God gives to his beloved in his sleep. Do you guys remember anything that God gave to Solomon while he was sleeping? Rifle through those memory banks that you learned from your Crosswinds Kid classes on Sunday mornings. Do you guys remember what happened in 1 Kings chapter 3? When Solomon was sleeping, God appeared to him in a dream. And remember that God gave him one wish of anything he wanted. And what did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom to do his God-appointed task of ruling the people. That gift of wisdom was one of the greatest gifts that God gave Solomon. He gave to his beloved his greatest gift while he was doing nothing besides sleeping. Do you see where he's putting this whole thing together? Where God gives to those he loves their greatest, his greatest gifts even while they are yet sleeping so they can, God is the one who is carrying forward their God-given projects in life, not just themselves. So in one sense, Psalm 127 is autobiographical. It is Solomon explaining to us what he has learned to be about the God-given projects in our life because God will carry those projects forward even in our sleep but while it's autobiographical, it's not meant to just be about Solomon. It's also meant to apply to us. Here's the point. If you know God through Jesus Christ, you too are also God's beloved. And when you are giving your life to the projects that God has given you to, you too can rest assured that God will be carrying those projects forward even in your sleep. And this principle is not just found in Psalm 127. This principle is found actually throughout the Bible. Let me show you one other example about God carrying His beloved forward in their projects. It comes out of uh, Deuteronomy 22 or 3312. Let me read it to you. It says, Of Benjamin, he says, and notice the phrase here, the beloved of the Lord, it dwells in safety. The, the high God surrounds him all day long. And what? And he dwells between his shoulders. Do you get the picture dwelling between his shoulders? What it says is the beloved of the Lord are literally riding piggyback with God. The picture is of a father and a son. 
And the Father and the Son are both on the same journey. They're going, the Son is going the same direction that the Father wants Him going. The Son is going in the same mission and task that the Father is about. You see, they're in the same direction, a God-given task. And what happens is the Son gets tired, and He gets weak, and He gets sleepy. And what does the Father do? He picks up His Son, and He puts Him on His shoulders. And the Son puts His arm around His Daddy's neck, and He falls asleep with His head on His Daddy's shoulders. But even while He is still sleeping, that Son is making progress because He is being carried along by His Father because He was about the same projects that His Father had given Him. He was going in the same direction that His Father was going. You see how this takes place? Let me give you uh, one other way of modern illustration to put this together. Now, I have not ridden in a hot air balloon, but I've heard it's an amazing experience. What I've heard is that you get in this hot air balloon, it goes up in the air, and you see the ground passing beneath you, maybe 20 or, or 40 miles an hour. And while you're moving fast, here's the funny part of riding in a hot air balloon. It's completely peaceful and you sense absolutely no wind. You are standing still, doing absolutely nothing besides floating there, and yet you're making progress. Why is that? Because you're being carried in the wind. So you're moving forward while doing absolutely nothing. And this is what Solomon's saying. If we have given our lives, and we give our lives to the God-given projects that God wants us to be about with our lives, we will find ourselves being carried forward by God Himself while we just stand there, even while we're just sleeping. So we know the principle. It's very clear. Don't give your life to just your own tasks. Because at the end of the day, you could work really hard on them, but they'll amount to nothing. Give your life to the God projects of your life, the things that God has given you to do. And if you pour your time and your energy into them, you will find that your time and energy you spend on them will not be in vain. And that God will actually help you and carry you along in that task. He's committed to your success. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, well, okay, well, that's good. I've got it. But uh, which projects in my life is God committed to? And which projects is He not committed to? Well, I can tell you up front, there is no easy answer for that particular question. Other than to ask yourself this, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it for God's glory or for my glory? And Solomon doesn't have an easy answer, but this is what Solomon has. While he doesn't have an easy answer for what are God's exact projects in your life, he does give us an example of what a God project looks like that is probably in your life today, right now, where God is committed to help you and he is committed to the success of that project. And you know what it is? Having and raising your children. Look how it continues here. Behold, children, 
This is the example of a God project. They're a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is literally a reward from God. You see, having and raising children are a perfect example of a God project. You realize that children really are not projects that we dream up. Children are projects that God gives us. Isn't it true? Every child is a gift from God. A child is not an accident. A child is not a chance. It's from God given to you in your life. And interestingly, how much hard work do you do to actually conceive a child? Not much. Your children are conceived while you're doing absolutely nothing but sleeping in the middle of the night. Remember how God gives His best gifts to His beloved even in their sleep? So, what Solomon is saying is, parents, you need to understand that your children are an incredibly worthwhile investment of the time and energy that you have in your life. And all that you pour into your children the great sacrifices you make for them, is not in vain. But your children are projects from God that God will help you on. He is committed to your success in raising your children. Look what else he says about this. Children are parental projectiles. They make an impact at a time and place that parents can never be. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children of one's youth. Solomon says that your kids are like arrows. And this is what is so neat about arrows. Arrows are shot from a bow and they make an impact at a place and a time that you cannot be. Isn't that true? In the same way, Children that you pour all this time and energy into to rear up and to raise, to know and to love Jesus Christ, they are shot out of your family and they land at a place and time you cannot be and they make an impact for Christ in a way that you never could do. It's one of the reasons why children are so incredibly worthwhile of an investment of our time and energy in our lives. I was thinking about this, and I, I, I think that this, I just need to apply this just personally. Just so you know, my ministry here among you is in large part due to the investments that my own mother and father made in my life while I was a little child living at 281 Runnymede Parkway in New Providence, New Jersey. What you see today as I preach and I teach to you is a large part of the investment my parents made to make sure I went to Christian summer camp every year. It's the fact that my parents would drive seven miles each way to go to a specific church where they knew God's Word was preached. And they knew that we had our finger in the text every single Sunday. And they said, we are going to sacrifice and drive at least a half hour or more each way to make sure that our family is under the preaching of God's Word. 
They wanted me to be in a youth group where missions was a high value, and I was taking mission trips overseas for the entire summer, even when I was in high school. Because my parents did all this energy and time to make sure that's where I was growing up. In fact, just so you know, some of you know that last summer I, I drove a large trailer out to Pennsylvania to pack up my parents' house after my mom had died of cancer. And now that my father lives with us, packed up all their stuff. And I spent hard times going through all of my mom's stuff. And I'll tell you what there was. There was journal after journal. We're talking literally this high of a stack filled single-space pages of my mom's Bible reading notes, my mom's prayer notes. And I'm going to tell you, I know, because it was I saw it there, many of those prayers every single day were for me. And today, my ministry is a large part the result of all the investment my mother made in me while I was a little child. And when it came time as I got older and it came time to do a master's program and then ultimately a doctorate program, I, I, the truth is that my aunt, she helped sacrifice some of the cash to make that possible. My grandmother made some of the cash to make that possible. My father helped us with some of the cash to make that possible. And ultimately, if they had poured so much into me that I was shot out from their home and I landed over in Spirit Lake, Iowa to make an impact in a city they had never visited to try and make Jesus' name more famous. And they will tell you that they feel all of the sacrifices and investments that they made was worth every penny. And it was never in vain. Mom and Dad, I know for you, Sometimes it's really hard to keep pouring into your kids. Sometimes it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of sacrifice to make sure they're under the gospel and to make sure that you're trying to teach them God's word. But I am here to tell you as we look at Psalm 127 that Solomon says that is one of the best investments you can make in your life. It is not in vain and your children will make an impact for Christ someplace that you will never be able to be. Amen? And it continues. Have more children. We have more impact that way our family will have more impact for Christ. In fact, Solomon says, Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Since having and raising children is one of the best investments you can make with your life, the Bible simply says, have lots of them. Now, we live in an anti-child culture. You must understand that, where everything is built for really small families. And people say, oh, you had your one child. Oh, you had two? Well, that's a lot. Maybe you, how dare you have more? And if you do have more, how will you be able to survive? But the Scriptures say this, since children are one of the best impacts you can make with your family and best investments you can make with your life, have lots of them. Shoot arrows all around the place so there's an impact for Jesus Christ all over the world from your family. Isn't that awesome? Some of you are going to say to me, well, but do you know how much it costs to have kids and raise kids? 
I, I don't think I could afford three, four, five, six kids. I, I couldn't do it. But you need to realize something. Your children are not just your projects. They are God's projects. And isn't God the one who is committed to your success? Didn't we just learn God is the one who promises to carry you through and see that one to fruition? You're not just doing this with your resources, but God is committed to your success to help you. Do you trust Him with that? In fact, I hope that out of this message, those who are here this morning who are younger and who are in the childbearing years, I pray and hope that you apply this message well and you have lots of kids and you fill that church nursery and that God takes from your home and He sends arrows out that make an impact for Christ around the world. That would be amazing and awesome. The last thing he says is this. Children are God's way of coming to our rescue in our time of need. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Here's the situation. Mom and dad have had children. Um, maybe they're getting a little older and tragedy strikes them. There's an enemy that sets itself up against mom or, or dad. And there's a crisis in the family. In a modern way, maybe that means that his dad, he, he's, the kids have been shot out of the home and yet he is working but he finds himself getting sick and, and he can't do his job and he, he's struggling. There's a crisis in the family. Or maybe this means that mom is getting older and she comes down with cancer. There's a crisis for mom and dad at home. You know what God's ordained plan to help you is? that the arrows that you have shot out of your home will boomerang back home and come to your rescue. That your children will come back home and be your help in your time of need. And because they're your biological children that you have raised for Christ, all that they have learned for Christ, they will care for you in a way that is better than money can ever buy. They are God's ordained plan of rescue for you in your moments of greatest weakness. Isn't this great? That's why there's such a worthwhile project in your life. And in the moments of your greatest weakness, when your children come home and they care for you, when you need them so desperately, you know in your heart all of the time, all of the energy and effort you poured into their life was worth every sacrifice you made. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, we just want to recognize that this psalm teaches us that we have a very limited amount of time and energy in our life, and that it'll go by so quickly in, in just the blink of an eye. Lord, help us to invest our lives in projects that you are behind. While we don't necessarily know, at least I don't know at the moment, what are those projects in each one of our lives, we do know for sure that our children are one of the most worthwhile investments that we can make. Jesus, I thank you that you are committed to being the wind at our back and to carrying us along when we struggle to raise our children and when we struggle with finances and when we struggle to, to put everything together as a family. 
Thank you that we are not alone, but you are committed to our success. Thank you, Lord, that our children ultimately will be shot out from our home and make an impact on time and eternity, Lord. And the investments we've made in their life is, every, is completely worth it. Jesus, I pray that you would challenge us to live against the culture and have many children and to have many impacts for Christ around this world. And Father, I, I thank you for your God-ordained plan that when we are old or when we are weak and when we are vulnerable, that the children that we have shot out will boomerang back and provide the rescue and the care and the protection that we so desperately need. Thank you, Lord, for how you have taught us to invest our lives. Help us to invest our lives wisely this summer, especially into our children. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us. And may God continue to enrich your life.